Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 461 of the Constructed Criticism Podcast. I'm your host, Heezy, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, a man who has his camera on, Mason Clark. I'm back, baby. Hopefully, good enough. A man who was surprised by Mason's camera on, Abe Stein. (laughs) I mean, I just haven't seen this beautiful man in so long. It's been two weeks? (laughs) In Dallas, I... I was almost surprised at what yeah, who was, I had bumped into. The first person I actually bumped into at the RC once I got into the convention hall and had my uh, had my bad. Literally, the first person I saw was Mason as we almost collided head first. That's true. Yeah, I did not recognize Abe uh, in the moment. Like he had a, a mask on or whatever. We were both moving quick. We like bumped into each other. Uh, I I thought for sure you were gonna say. You know, it was weird to see Mason and not like just like a cardboard cutout like floating through the air. Like, <laughs> all right. Harbor cut out of me for your background. I can get y'all one. <laughs> you would do that. You you would. Uh, I'm Steve, not opposed. That's a, yeah, it's a Christmas not... gift idea. Hang on, I gotta write that down. <laughs> uh, speaking of Christmas gifts, the set is expensive enough to be one. We're talking about Lord of the Rings today for our pick two set review. Uh, Mason, why don't you break down what a pick to a set review is for our listeners? Yeah, so uh, typically when you listen to a podcast or a set review, a lot of them will like go over either all the cards or like do a top 10 episode or maybe a top eight episode. Uh, and they'll kind of go over kind of, you know, what they think from the set. And they sort of start with number 10 and it's kind of maybe like, you know, a card that they sort of just like or whatever. And they don't really give you these weird, like they give you weird metrics basically and there's no real way to do it. So instead what we do here is, Instead of doing the whole six, I take so much time. We each pick two cards in certain categories, and we talk about those cards. And that kind of gives you, the listener, the context, and we'll let you know what the section is and sort of what those uh, categories mean when the time comes. That way, you're ready to go. And it gives us a little bit more time to actually talk about the cards we want to. So, you know, when we're talking about tournament players, we're going to spend time actually talking about those. Uh, and it also gives us the light we want to talk about them. You know, maybe I think the card's... Uh, a sleeper or whatever, and Spencer thinks it's going to be a tournament player, then when the time comes, you know, we'll have that conversation. We can have it in those slides. We don't have the awkwardness of like, well, that's my number nine. Well, that's your number one. You know, like we don't have this weird whole ping-ponging. We'll just get to talk about all the cards that we want to. So that is the pick two set review. So today's categories are hits, hopefuls, uh, sleepers, and uh I believe we have favorites, Lord of the Ring flavor wins. With that being said, we'll dive right into this. These episodes take a little bit longer, so we kind of just want to dive in. We're going to start with sleepers. These are typically cards that we think that are being underappreciated, not talked about enough. Uh, And I'm going to go first with a, uh, a real sleeper, in my opinion, and that is Delighted Halfling. Delighted Halfling is one green for a creature Halfling Citizen. It's a 1-2. You can tap it to add a colorless mana, or you can tap it to add mana of any color and spend that mana to cast a legendary spell, and that spell can't be countered. I have a lot of thoughts around this card. Um, My first thought is, uh, one, that it is a 1-2, does not die to run in six, and the important part about this set, and the reason I want to bring this up, is that this set is modern forward. Um, The second thought is this makes colorless mana on your mana dork. So if you wanted to turn to something like a, uh, oh my gosh, I forgot the name of the three mana Eldrazi. Uh, A matter shaper? Matter reshaper or something. Uh, This card actually does that. 
Hell yeah. Uh, I, I didn't. Hell yeah. That, I had not thought about the matter reshaper thought not seer implications. That's that's just another piece of the pie. Yeah. I, I, like that. I think this card is like actually kind of outstanding as far as like what you need in a Metadork right now. Uh, Metadork C play that died a red and six right now, and this one not doing it, I think is pretty big game. Yeah. I. I have to agree. I'll hop right in here. I, I think actually mana dorks are kind of washed and almost close to unplayable. In fact, the only thing keeping them in the realm is how strong they are kind of by their nature. Uh, and even then we barely see them in modern. And this one dodging Renin 6 I think is huge. Also, I think they make so many more legendary cards in a set now than they used to that we're going to see this card, like even if it doesn't hit now, this is one that like I'm getting my four delighted halflings. I'm holding on to them. I'm always thinking about it because they make so many legendary things like this Mox Amber Birds Paradise. I think it's really easy to have like a four or five color legend stack with like very few triumphs, very good mana, slamming things. And like that's not even counting that, you know, this cast Planeswalkers, like you mentioned, right? Spencer, like you can go Temple Garden into Teferi 3 with this card and it can't be countered. And that's like a huge part of this metagame. So I, I love this card. I think it's one of the, I love that you picked as a sleeper. It's a big hit for me. Yeah. I, uh, I always have to second what you guys were saying is that like Noble Hierarch being uh, like kind of the mana dork that was both scrappy enough in combat, like contributed to to the board and also produced mana to cast like not just creatures like kind of a Atlanta Realms does. Like Birds of Paradise only does so much. It gives you the mana, but doesn't give you like the combat. Uh, Noble Hierarch kind of gave you both. And this really feels like it has the potential to be noble hierarch for 2023 although maybe it doesn't feel like noble hierarch for 2023 until 2025 you know what i mean like two years from now when we have more sets more legends uh more of this theme played out this card only gets better and it being like just this cavern of souls for your legendary spells which includes those planeswalkers like an uncounterable to fairy three or an uncounterable renin six is huge right now in modern the the, the uncounterable clause is like not to be not to be trifled with it, it is one of the very, best very close four spell peers <laughs> like, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like the fact that the fact that this card on turn like on turn one is really good and then also makes all of your legendary spells on turn five good is just like a really really valuable quality to to a dork and the fact that it also plays like fighting over the game uh in the early game like really does a lot i, I think that by way of the set being what it is, it really is like just a sleeper because you kind of read it and it's a like, you know, it's just a mana dork or whatever in the set with so much going on in it. But the cards that that do the do the least, quote unquote, really seem like they do the most in the set. I think it's a great one. Yeah, I, I just want to say this real quick and I'll pass it off to you, Spencer. I know we, we gushed over your cards so much. If you have more thoughts, I'd love to hear them. But I love that this like the Sahili Cat deck has been a fringe modern deck for a while now. And this leads to turn three cat kills where you go like this, cast your security, turn three, copy this, cast the Felidar off the colorless part, and then you just kill them. And like the deck already plays a ton of legendary cards. I don't know. And the deck was like playing birds and nobles in some variations. So I, I love this card. Uh, I could talk about this card literally for another 20 minutes. So I'm going to pass it off to you, Spencer. Yeah, I had to remove this from my hits. It was originally in my hits, but there were, uh, I wanted to fit a different card that I didn't think fit as well into sleepers. So we'll get to that later. Uh, my next card, I think, actually is one of Abe's hits. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll read it. It is one and a white for, uh, I think, it's Reprieve, I believe, is the name of this card. 
Uh, it is an instant, and it is return target spell to its owner's hand, draw a card. Uh, so, this is just Remand in white. And I think just Remand in white is a really interesting addition to Modern. Uh, I was at a tournament the other day where people were talking about things that they could do in Modern uh, to maybe fix some things. And the number of times Manitive came up for some of these white decks was, like, so high. I'm like, man, that is a lot of Manitive conversation. Uh, I don't know where this fits, but I do think that people are, like, not understanding the ramifications of white having Remand uh, as, as a potential option for it. Abe, you have this thing. Yeah, I mean, Why don't you want to jump? You want to jump in? Yeah, like I think there's a hit because I think that people, much like you were saying, it's very very hard to evaluate how good it is to have an an effect in another color where it isn't usually present, and I think that just access to a catch all like time buying spell in white, and especially one that doesn't cost you card economy is so so unique and powerful to white that like it gives you a way to be playing a deck that doesn't have to be entirely reactive or permission based to really get the most out of remand um like you don't you're not you don't have to be answering it to get the answer down the line i think there's something that um like sam black said about angelic overseer and strixhaven limited is that like that that card being in white made it so much better than like the blue counterpart of like two one flyer that draws a card. In the same vein, I think that just already being in white, where you kind of can play to the board early and have more of a board presence, makes it so that your fair instances of using a card like Remand in your white decks is that much better and that much more powerful. And when you add on the fact that like you might have you know, asymmetrical tax effects or, um, you know, whatever going on such that you're making it harder for your opponent to spend mana and then adding on the burden of them spending it again while you have creatures in play to leverage that is just so much stronger than it seems. And, like, on top of that, the card that it is, you know, functionally the same as Remand um is already a card that has a long pedigree of success. And it's a card they probably, like, could not... The last time they printed something close to it in Standard was Divide by Zero, and that card sees play in Pioneer and Fringe application and, like, was too good for the format. So, um, you know, it just is already a really strong effect that's proven, and it's getting into a color where they might be able to use it even better than Remand was being used previously. Yeah, I don't want to dive too far into the point I want to make, but this is one of those cards... Like, both of my cards so far have made me wish that this set was standard legal. Um, especially with, like, the longer standard format and the lack of rotation. Uh, I would love to see both of these cards in Pioneer. I'd love to see both of these cards in Standard. I know that, like, I don't I don't think that they knew that they were going to extend Standard's lifespan when deciding that this was a modern-only set. But if they had, I would have liked to have seen it. Yeah, I, I also. Yeah, you, I, you said you I, disagree I with that, also, Mason. I said I agree with that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that some of these cards, like Reprieve, or like um, you know, just like effects that seem good or like not too impactful on modern, that I think one people enjoy and like would like in standard. I wouldn't be surprised to see some of these cards 
come down the pipeline like two or three years from now, right? Like, yeah, it is not lost on me that like we're talking about a card that we could easily imagine other sets with the name Reprieve, and then like one of my next cards is called Elven Chorus, right? Like, you can have an Elven Chorus on any plane, you know what I mean? Like, it, this, there's a lot of the names here, uh, that are the cards are like very generic. Like, if, if players like Reprieve, we could see Reprieve in standard or in you know, a modern another set right or whatever so i i think we are going to see that i think they were very smart to not you know they did not put a lot of power in the gandalfs of the world um yeah i mean delighted halfling all it means is halflings to exist right it's not like that's a yeah it's a halfling citizen yeah, yeah. I, it's that, that very easily could have been like bilbo or sam well, right right and even more than that it could have like it could have also just been in streets of new capenna where they had citizens mm-hmm. yeah no 100 percent yeah, yeah. I, I think it was very smart of them to do this the way they did. Really quick on Reprieve, so I, I agree with everything y'all said. I just want to say, like, I've seen Remand not really seeing a lot of play these days. However, Cascade <laughs> decks are very popular right now, and, like, there is a good reason to play Remand. Like, did, like you're seeing some players play it because of that. I was just going to say, um, didn't didn't Remand just have a resurgence, like, a couple weeks ago? Uh, there was, like, one person who copied a challenge with it, but you're hearkening what I'm saying here. Yeah. Uh, we're on the same page where it's like, this is a card players have turned to. And like Abe said, the difference in white and blue is huge. I've been a long time believer now that blue hammer is basically washed and like not very good. And this is like kind of a thing that pushes that needle even more in that direction for me, where it's like, okay, like some of your harder matchups for these cascade decks, things like living in were unbeatable. Maybe this helps move the line. Maybe hollow moonlight's better, but like this is another thing to try. And, you know, having this kind of card can be really good. Also, like, we've seen Archon of Amiria strategies be, like, pretty fringe and modern. Well, Remand is really strong with Archon of Amiria uh, and all of those sort of single spell turn cards. So uh, I'm really excited to see how this card plays out. I'm glad we get to talk about it. That was one of those ones I didn't put on my list. And I was like, I'm going to trust the boys that they got it. Uh, Abe's got uh, one of those. So- <laughs> Abe's got one of those for me, too, where he's got one that I almost made him list. Uh, Mason, why don't you go over your yeah. first sleeper? Yeah. So my first sleeper is Elven Chorus. It's three green for an enchantment. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may cast creature spells on the top of your library. And then creatures you control have tap add one mana of any color. So this card, um, I think a lot of people first, when they first read it, thought it was just like add G or whatever. Um, I know that's like what I thought when I first read it. Um, for just some reason, it's autocorrect, you know. But I think this card's really cool. And in decks that want to go wide, this is a really interesting way to put a bunch of Creatures on the board and have a grindy card. It also works really well with Tyvar, which I think is one of the strongest fringe planeswalkers we have in modern. It has a lot of really unique synergies. And I think a lot of the Tyvar decks need something like a collecting company. Uh, and this card sort of works in that camp. So Elven Chorus, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do with it, but I do think it's being kind of slept on. I think it has a lot of potential. With things like Tyvar, you can, you know, cast them off the top of your deck, make me out of cast the next one, mill the top cards, you know reset those decks often play stoneforge mystic and devoted druid so uh i think there's a lot of potential with this card but i just don't know exactly what to do one of the things that i like about cards like this in modern um that don't other formats don't get is like the fact that you have fetch lines too to like you know check the top of your deck uh you know just getting extra value out of those fetch lines things like that um this card reads as like something that could get busted wide open to me uh, when you mentioned Tyvar, I was like, oh, that sounds unfun. I hope that that doesn't happen. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, you can play Mim Knight, 
That was like, I, I have like a, a different article where like I have Nimnites and Ornithopters. It's like really deep, but you know, you can play a lot of things and really pop off, which is pretty cool. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts, Abe? I mean, I was instantly thinking about the the Cheerio angle. The <laughs> get me get me some free some free moxin off the top of my library with a little Tyvar action. I think it's like I think it's cool. I think Cryptothrite, you know, it's a card that I, it, I'm not sure if it plays in modern. Um, like just because of the way the format is right now and how like if you're paying four mana for something, you're basically paying infinity and it better win the game. But I could see a world where this card does win the game. So yeah. Yeah, I also one thing I didn't think about until you just mentioned it is that when you play this card, yeah, four mana is a lot. It does sometimes rebate the mana, which is kind of nice. Like if you have a thing or two in play and can convert that mana, it does less of the load a bit, but it is true, four mana is a ton. Um, You're saying this card is Verizon Wireless on a green card. <laughs> yeah, it's Verizon get the, get Wireless. Those, get those rebates. <laughs> Speaking of rebates and a lot of mana, let's talk about Forgeny, which is my other card. It's two and a white for an enchantment. I'm all about enchantments in the sleepers today. Uh, when Forgeny enters the battlefield, return target equipment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. As long as it's your turn, you may equip, uh, you may uh, activate equip abilities anytime you could an instant. You may pay zero rather than pay the equip cost of the first equip ability you activate during each of your turns. I feel uh, like I'll sort of I feel like we're not allowed to talk about this card until Abe tells the story when he wanted to literally berate you, like off the podcast, and tell you how stupid you were for sending him this card. <laughs> yeah, but then Abe read it. That's, <laughs> That's, That's the words you used. I was I was at work. I did only read part one and part three of the card and not understand why we were talking about it. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but no, I, I mean... Is the text in your drafts? Can I see it? Like, is it like, Mason, you moron? I can't believe you would send me this garbage. And then I think instead, all I said is, I don't in, get it. <laughs> and then instead you said, no, oh, I, I, I see I what said, it does I, now. I sent it to you and you said, uh, I said... I said, do you think one of or more of? And you said, like, not playable or something like that. I think that yeah. was, like, this, the <laughs> conversation. Uh, but, yeah, no, so Fortune New, if it isn't obvious, Hammer Time is sort of the deck I'm thinking about this with. So my big picture thoughts on this card are, um, yeah, like, the instant speed equip is pretty good, right? Like, that's going to come up a lot. And the pay zero really matters, especially with cards like Cauldra, right? Like, sometimes Cauldras just get Prismatic Ending on the Germ. Uh, and that can be really frustrating. But now, you know, that community can move around. Um, my big thoughts are though that Force of Vigor deck and Bosager can sometimes be a problem. And maybe this being a thing that can rebuy really matters a lot too. Because I see a lot of like pretty reasonable power in the front half, although you don't even need to do the return part. Just the equipping and moving, I think, is enough. And it's different enough from Core Outfitter that I think this is a reasonable sideboard option that maybe is even just main deckable, but I'm just not seeing it as that right now. I'm curious what y'all have to say. I mean, I, my thoughts on this card are that if people are killing your equipment, then it's probably good. I think it's just like, it's a lot of exposure and a lot of your turns in, in like hammer time in games where like, I don't know, the, the games in which the games go long, you tend to not have just creatures and no hammers because people are taking off hammers. Or if you are, they are taking off hammers, they're like endinging them or like bindinging them. Um, but I do think there are worlds where, like, the interaction could shift to make this card, like, really potent. And the ability to just use an equipability instant speed 
um, in a lot of spots, just immediately blanks like damage-based removal or um, like makes it to your opponent doesn't actually have enough like a way to trump block you, um, and that is like pretty potent. Like I think it's it's even better at like kind of playing the giver of runes role against decks like Murktide or like Rhinos or whatever of of actually pushing your your stuff through board states that are kind of tough and it allows you to fight on your terms um if you want to go for like lethal by moving your hammer onto an unblock creature um as opposed to just like abyssing them so it has chops i just think it matters on how often you're getting the full monty because if you're not it's a lot of mana yeah it basically said what my thoughts were on this card i think that moving at instant speed for zero mana once per turn is like kind of not so busto. Um, it lets you present awkward situations where you are giving your opponent the illusion of a choice when they don't really have a choice as to what they do because you get to make the choice in the end. So I, I think that giving your opponent an illusion of a choice is actually really powerful. That's if they get it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, awesome. those are, yeah, those are my thoughts. Hey, what's your first sleeper? Uh, yeah, my first sleeper is uh, Minus Tirith, which is a legendary land that enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a legendary creature. It taps for a white mana and has the activated ability one and a white tap draw a card. Activate only if you attack with two or more creatures this turn. I think this is a really, really potent card. This is just like legacy playable, right? This is almost on my list. In small numbers. Yeah, like it's I can just... see it. I, I I think this card is like just straight up legacy playable. Yeah, I mean the Yorion Death and Daxus deck definitely has room for like at least one of these, and like can trigger it pretty easily. I think this card's good. Sorry, if you were yeah, yeah. And I mean, I just think that um, you know, especially with something like uh, Reprieve entering format, and also just I don't know, just the ability to play decks that get a, like. White is does so good at getting a little bit of material and leveraging it historically, especially in like death and taxes style decks. They kind of get up half a card on you and, and ride it out. Or like, you know, in the past we've seen, you know, kind of like pox decks or like lingering souls, like kind of keep the game small decks that this is a lot easier to use and probably a lot nicer to use than something like Castle Lockthwain in terms of both man efficiency and like effectiveness at, at pulling you ahead in a game where you've, ground it down to a halt and i think that's just like a really powerful effect to have a land and i haven't really seen anyone talk about just like this cycle of lands as being a really big addition to the format yeah this was going to be my sleeper before i moved the halfling the the halfling into my sleeper spot uh i, I think this card is quite good and i'm not sure like to me we've seen a real uptick in the number of legendary creatures just overall being played across all formats and so the downside of this one is obviously like you can't play it on turn one um but i don't know it, it still it still seems quite powerful to me yeah i also think modern's in a spot where like being slow is not the end of the world like it has been a problem in the past to like for example forge new being three mana at certain points i would say it's not even close to the realm but the games are so much more interactive that i do think something like this and the white fair decks is like 
very reasonable. I think this card is strong, and I think it will see like a good amount of play. Yeah, I mean, having Solitude in the format gives you a, a lot of time to have not mana early, but uh, a lot of desire also to have cards late. So this is a, an easy to price to pay. Uh, what's your next card? Um, my other card is another one of the lands from the cycle. It's Mines of Moria, which is the red one. So it enters battlefield tap unless you control a legendary creature. has tap add red mana. And it also has three red tap. Exile three cards from your graveyard. Create two treasure tokens. Um, I think that this, while very obviously powerful, might just actually be best as like a one of or... Um, you know, an option in like the creativity decks where a lot of times they can get kind of shut out on, um, you know, their dwarven minds getting interacted with or like they need to establish a lot of mana to be able to like fight over things or sometimes hard cast their threats that get stuck in their hand. And this card just being able to allow you to play the the same kind of like control leave your mana up game for a while and then slowly generate a mana advantage off the exchanges you're taking, um, you know, is really, really strong in my opinion. And I think that it enables a lot of things in other decks too that are just a little unfair. Like taking one turn to just make two treasure tokens after making it so your opponent couldn't act into your mana um, just feels like a pretty a pretty big deal in in a lot of games, so... Uh, when I read this card, I for half a second forgot that it wasn't Pioneer legal, and I was like, "This is so good in the the creativity, uh, the creativity deck in that format." I was like, "This is because that deck's just straight up blue red control," and I was like, "This is nuts." So uh, I did not consider it in four color or five color creativity. Um, my my concern is that the deck plays to the board a lot more than it like for its control elements. So I'm a little worried about when you would get to activate it, but you play a lot of fetch lands. So maybe, maybe there is just time where you'll get to do that. I'm not sure. I guess they play a lot of spell pierce now too, though. Yeah. And my thought yeah. is that there's, and it also, it's also tough on the creativity mana base too, because you have dwarven mine, right? But I think that there's room for this card to do a lot and i think also in the games i've been watching of modern recently um you know a lot of it comes down to not being the one to have to spend mana into the board because if you do you wind up vulnerable to the powerful things going on so it's a lot of like the dangerous things happen at sorcery speed if you can do anything being advantage in speed um without getting punished it's it's really strong yeah, this card's really interesting i I wonder if like even four color is interested in this kind of thing. It's like a lot and the deck generates a lot of mana, but the deck also has a lot of uses for mana. So just honestly having like spend one of your like spend your omnath mana, make two treasures, set up for a bigger turn in the future. It's like not unreasonable. I don't know. Doesn't that deck have the same problem of like not not having spells that are going to the yard though? No, I mean the the newer build the newer builds have like a lot of spells going to the yard. Like uh like you'll have fetch lands and stuff, like the deck plays twelve fetches and you often only need one to be recurring with Ren. 
Uh, and a lot of the, like, Leyline Binding is awkward, and your creatures just die eventually. Sure. So maybe, maybe I, I guess you, I, I guess in my mind, I wouldn't be imagining activating this until, like, turn six or seven. And at that point, I'm already getting some. Sure. And I'm sitting up for, like, an Elish Norn slash uh, Nissa turn. Because uh, with Nissa, you're, like, you're spending a lot of mana every single turn. So, but maybe it's not good enough. I don't know. I didn't have thought about this in that context, and I was listening to y'all talk. It made me think so. But it's really cool. I think this card is really interesting. I, I would not be surprised if this turns out to, like, secretly be the best one. I, like, that would not shock me at all. So. so, one of the things that we're doing for this set is doing flavorites rather than just doing favorites. We're looking at cards with Lord of the Rings flavor that we really, really like the execution on. Uh, and Abe has, man, one of the ones that I almost picked again. Abe, why don't you start us off here? Yeah, so my first favorite, really just, be, and I normally don't like cards like this, but just because of the raw simplicity of it, I really do, is the long list of the ends, which is a single green enchantment saga with six chapters on it. And all six chapters are note a creature type that hasn't been noted for a long list of the ends. When you cast your next creature spell of that type this turn, that creature enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. It is just a long list. It just it just is. The card is what it says it is, and I I can't help but respect it. Yeah, I I like this card a ton. I think also the art's really beautiful. Uh, and I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. I, I wish that they couldn't be countered so that this card would be like super playable too. Yeah. I wonder if this card is already playable in weird ways. I, I, I want to read it. Does it work? Like if I have a changeling, like how does that interact with this card? Yes. Cause changeling is yes. every type. Okay. Yeah. You could name like. Whatever you want, and if you cast a changeling that turn, it gets a counter. You could name Hound, would play I get changeling, and it would get okay. No, it's because it's only the name of the creature type that you just named. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's only for I, the I turn in which you name. You're not getting okay. six counters on a changeling on turn the sixth one. Yeah. Okay. That's why I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I thought you named a new one, and then like so, I thought this was a card. So, like, example, if you named like Hydro Jellyfish for um, Hydro Crisis, it would get two plus one plus one counters. I misread the card. Okay. Never mind. This card is no, really you cool have to plan that. out that you're naming Jellyfish four turns from now. That's right. Well, I love Endgame. So this is great. I, I do like this card. This card is really cool. I think it might be strong too, but. I don't know. I, there's lots of cards that do this type of stuff that don't see play. So I can't see one where you have to play a bunch of different creature types and also know that you're going to play them in that order works but i guess you get to see because it's a saga before you like after you draw but yeah it's a saga and an enchantment i don't know how many of those are actually enchantments and also you can burn a name or whatever right like if you just whiff on a turn you can go like four and then you know like wait wait to see yeah, i mean up. if you ever get like uh, six power out of the card it's like probably really good yeah i mean also there's like a decent amount of man a decent amount there, there's a good amount of like saga related like specific cards that you can like leverage with this and the fact that it is a six chapter saga for one mana is somewhat novel in that and, and as that i'm sure we'll get more explored over time uh 
like in the more we see sagas, the more it could just be that having a saga on turn one that therefore means all of your cards that reference having sagas and lore counters down the line yes. uh, are enabled. <laughs> Some Arcbound Ravager for Sagas is going to come out, and this card's going to spike to $40. Exactly. <laughs> See you in chapter four, baby. <laughs> I was sure. Let's talk about the card that Mason made me laugh reading today, uh, or reading a tweet about today, and that's the One Ring Abe is your next one? Yes, yes. The other, I, you can't talk about this set, I feel like, without talking about the One Ring. It is it is Lord of the Rings. It is about the One Ring. Um, and the One Ring is a four-mana legendary artifact that is indestructible. And when it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, you gain protection from everything until your next turn. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life for each burden counter on the One Ring. And if you're wondering what a burden counter is... It's something you get that when you use its ability, tap, put a burden counter on the one ring, and then draw a card for each burden counter on the one ring. So, um, yeah, it really is, A, the point of the whole thing, right? Like, this is when you... Ten years from now, when this gets talked about, it's going to be because of the one ring, the one out of one collector booster one ring. It's going to be because it's Lord of the Rings. It's going to, right? It has to be the ring. And, um... You know, I think the whole like burden counter, the whole burden thing, really flavorful with a ring. Um, you know, protection from everything is is kind of a, a nod to to what it does, and it really is just super sick. Like I don't know, the card is exciting to think about having in play, and also tempting. So uh, I get it. I see what you flavor. did there. I do like the burden <laughs> flavor. Uh, I wish this card cost less. I wish I think this card's gonna see play. What? I could be wrong though. Yeah, no, I, I, there are like, um, the, what are they called? Oh, I, I forget the name of them. The, the key decks. There's like these artifact decks that like once a month they top eight the challenges and they play Karn the Great Creator, and this card actually just fits perfectly kind of in the deck where they play untappers already, and you can just like activate this card a bunch. Um, now I was talking to Spike actually at the RC after he drew in, and it was like. The thing he was like, yeah, that's like first on my list to test, like seriously test, um, like when the set goes live and streaming or whatever. He was like, and he's talking about it on the stream. I, I think it like legitimately could be quite good. There's like a deck that already kind of wants it, and Carnage Creator kind of just wants like an advantage card in modern, and there's not many. I, I've played weirdly a lot of Karn decks that aren't drawn, and like Batter Skull is often a card. How I'm like, you, well, how do you get the most out of like? I don't see it. I, I believe you. I believe sure. it when I see it. But it's going to be impossible. The deck's going to be very quickly with some the untaps. deck's going to be invisible anyway. How will I ever see it? Yeah, exactly. I like the idea of Karn wishing. I didn't even thought it hadn't registered to me that I can Karn wish for the One Ring. <laughs> he kind of looks like in his hand that he has the ring on. Too, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just it had never registered, but I kind of. If there's someone who gets to break the fourth wall of magic and pull things out of multiverses that I didn't necessarily want to exist in magic in the first place, I'll let it be Karn. Mason, what's your first uh, favorite? Yeah, my first flavor is one that I know legacy players are freaking out about. And this is Orcish Bowmaster. It's one of black uh, for an orc archer 1-1. One, one. It has flash. And when this creature enters the battlefield... And whenever an opponent draws a card, except for their first card each turn, Orcish Bowmaster deals one damage to any target, and then amasses uh, Orc. If you remember a mass from War of the Spark, it's make a just an Orc 
thing that gets one bigger each time this happens. Um, this card's really flavorful and cool to me because uh, in like the lore, the orcs are killing the elves. It's like a whole thing. And Legacy Elf just gets murdered by this deck. They cast Glimpse, and they're like, draw a card. And the orcs like, shoot the elf. And then they're like, play an elf. Shoot the elf. Play an elf. Shoot. I love that. And so I'm all about the Orcish Bowmaster just mowing down the elves. And it might, it might be playable, too. Who knows? Uh, and it also time, deals but. two damage and makes a 2-2 two -two whenever somebody brainstorms. Yeah. And just bop, bop. Comes into play, kills the Ragavan, makes a chump blocker for the Ragavan, your next one. Kind of cool card. I don't know. Uh, I've The most I've seen this card talked about is actually for CDH. Yeah. So It actually seems really good in CDH. You, like, flash it in end of turn, and then you cast a wheel effect. And so you get 21 damage and a 21 amass token if you have three other people in your pot. That's, like, probably pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. If there were ever a format where every card that was, like, moderately punishing Brainstorm and that's the whole sell to it to Legacy players to be good, it's got to be CDH, right? The whole format <laughs> is about is about the, like, platonic ideal of what, what beats Legacy decks yeah. in very heavy air quotes. Like... <laughs> Like, aha, you will not draw more cards than me. That's illegal. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a fan. What's your next one, Mason? Uh, my next one is a banger. It might be one of the best uh, flavor wins of all time. With Gollum the Scheming Guide, it's when the black for legendary creature, Halfling Horror 2-1. Uh, whenever Gollum the Scheming Guide attacks, look at the top two cards of your library put them back in any order, then choose land or non-land. Your opponent guesses whether the top card of your library is the chosen kind. Reveal the card. If they guessed right, remove Gollum from combat. Otherwise, you draw a card and Gollum cannot be blocked this turn. Um, Gollum is like mischievous and tells lies and has riddles like this. Uh, and I think this card is super cool because they could have very easily had your opponent just guess land or non-land on top. But having you say it first creates a really cool sub game that's like gonna lead to some really sick moments or whatever. I don't know. I think this card's super flavorful for the golem stuff. It's super, I think gonna be super fun and it's gonna create a lot of really cool stories. And you also get a little bit of, you know, selection in your draw step out of it, or whatever. And if they guess wrong, get card advantage, which is great. So I, I love this card a lot. Yeah, Elijah Wood read this card in the like wizards preview that has been going around on YouTube and TikTok and everything. And it was really funny because then he's like, yeah, but you got to read it like Schmeagle, Schmeagle. And I was like, oh, man. And then he does it. It's really funny. So, I, As someone who is qualified for Pro Tour Lord of the Rings and is thinking about the ordeal of drafting Lord of the Rings, uh, the thought of playing with this card at a Pro Tour level is both daunting and, and enticing. Just... The amount of mind games at play there, it's huge. It's huge opportunity. There's going to be a lot of stories for someone who opens one of these and decides to put it in their deck. Mm -hmm. I think it's fine. It might be pretty good and limited. Uh, Spencer, what's your first favorite? Or your first uh, flavor one? Sorry. My first favorite is the Nazgul. This is two and a black for a creature, Wraith Knight. It has Death Touch. When it enters the battlefield, the ring tempts you. We'll get into that. Uh, whenever the ring tempts you, put a 1-1 counter on each wraith you control. Uh, and a deck can have up to nine cards named Nazgul. All right. Do you want me to ring with the ring tempting dust? I sure, have it go up. for it. Okay. 
So when the ring tempts you, you do one, and it's cumulative. So you get the first, and then you'll have the second and the first, and so forth. So the first time is your ring bearer is legendary and can't be blocked by creatures with greater power. Second time is when your ring bearer attacks, draw a card and discard a card. Third one is whenever your ring bearer becomes blocked by a creature, that creature's controller sacrifices it at the end of combat. And last one is whenever your ring bearer deals combat damage to a player, each opponent loses three life. So the first mode is your creature is going to gain skulk. Tissue creeps. I don't know how many of these I need in draft to have the best draft deck in the world of the Pro Tour, but I hope somebody does it. <laughs> it's not but 10. You can't play 10. You, if you got 10, would you, no, you, would you not says, take the 10th? You're not allowed. You can't put it in your deck. That doesn't matter. That's not what I asked you, Abe. Would you not take the 10th? <laughs> I would not take it because I could not put it in my deck. I would already have nine Nazguls. That's the most Nazguls you're allowed to play. Legal. So there's a lot of flavor ones for this. Uh, the rain tempting you, obviously, is important for the Nazgul. The number of Nazgul you're allowed to have in your deck is important. Um, them being stronger in numbers is important. I just think this card is chef's kiss on a flavor win. Super cool. And there's nine arts. Is there actually? I didn't know that. Yeah. There's nine different arts. That's dope. That's cool. Uh, my next uh, flavorite is There and Back Again by Bilbo Baggins. It's, no, uh, it is three red red for a saga. Uh, it's chapter one uh, is up to one target creature can't block as long as you control There and Back Again. The ring tempts you. Uh, Search your library for a mountain card, put it on the battlefield, and then shuffle. Um, and then create a smog, a legendary 6-6 dragon. Creature token with flying haste, and when this creature dies, create 14 treasure token. So just sitting on a mountain of Jeff Bezos money. Uh, I don't know. I, I One, I think the art is gorgeous. Uh, two, I think back to... You know, watching the cartoons as a kid, uh, watching the movies as, you know, a, a young adult or a young teenager, um, you know, listening to the audiobooks, reading the books. And this, uh, this like, summarizes The Hobbit all by itself. You know, the getting of the ring, the going to the mountain, the, de the defeation of Smog. Um I wish it had more chapters. I will say there's a could be better on my part on this one. I wish that uh, like you amassed five or something to, to or uh, to make five armies. But other than that, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Uh, I think it's a great example of like what they can do with the IPs that they're given, and like it's got me really excited for Doctor Who, for example. Um, speaking of excited, are you excited for the Lord of the Rings uh, secret lair that's tied into the animated show you just talked about? <gasps> I didn't know. Wait, which one are they doing? Are they doing... The, the, like the 80s one or whatever. So the Lord of the Rings has, uh, for those who don't know, there's a Hobbit movie that's done by one animation. Uh, then there's the the Lord of the Rings and the the... Sorry, the... Fellowship of the Ring and the Two Towers are a single animated film by another mm -hmm. animation, and then they go back to the Hobbit animation style in Return of the King. Yeah, it's the Hobbit I think they're doing. Oh, the that big. sounds so great. Ah, that's so exciting. That's, that's great. 
I can't wait for Mappa to animate Lord of the Rings too. Just I'm excited. Uh, that is going to do it for our favorites. Let us know yours in the comments on YouTube. What is the biggest flavor when you think about Lord of the Rings and magic? And I just, and now I just want to sacrifice this uh, this Smaug token in some way, shape, or form. Let's just Smaug's got a hoard. Yeah, let's talk about hopefuls. Um, and I will go first. I think uh, Abe and actually Abe and I actually share this hopeful. Um, and that is Council's Deliberation. This card is one in a blue for an instant draw card. Whenever you scry, if you control an island, you may exile Council's Deliberation from your graveyard if you do draw a card. I, I, there have been a lot of attempts to get, like, any style of, like, this draw to value engine to see play in modern historically. And I think this one might have legs. Uh, like, it, the, because you get to draw the card for free, um, it, all, the only thing it's asking you to do is scry. Uh, I like that it gives me a reason to play opt over consider uh, or opt with consider. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this one, Abe? This feels like it would have been one of the best cards in Magic in 2018. And it's not 2018 anymore, but I hope that it's still good enough to be able to pay two mana to draw a card and then get some value on the back end for it. Like, the ability to go up a card for doing something that a lot of cards that you might play incidentally will do anyway is really powerful. And even if it's not... Like, it even might take a little bit of work for it to be something you you want to do in um, in, like, modern... The potential is still there, and and just the ability to like get up cards for free is so powerful that I, I'm hopeful that, like, yeah, this this brings back a little bit of opting and Mi casting some end of turn draw carding. And I didn't realize, Mason, this is also one of your hopefuls. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I like the real SpongeBob meme with Squidward up there, and since it's like, yeah, me and Abe love this card, and I'm like, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> no, I I agree with what you said. I, first, I gotta say, I love that this immediately lets me teach somebody the strictly better thing isn't true when they talk about consider. And I'm like, oh, you think it's strictly better than opt? You have council deliberation in your deck? But uh, I, I like this card a lot. I, I think it's interesting. I think Gimme Lich is a card that I think about a lot with this card, um, where like you're going to want to be putting things in your graveyard. You're going to be playing like opt and considering cards like that. Cards like Sahili we talked about earlier. Um, like this works with her plus one, which is now typically pretty weak in those decks. So I think something like that. that's pretty interesting on a deck that maybe wants to hold up mana on turn two anyway. So I think this card's really cool. And I do think it is probably not quite good enough for tier one modern, but it is definitely a card that like we will see like top eight a challenge or whatever. Like I, I do believe like Demi Lich is a card strong enough to do it. I think this card works really well in Demi Lich shells. So uh, like if you think of it as like an accumulated knowledge type variant, uh, I think it like slots in as like one of the best one of those because you don't have to build up; you just have to trigger something to get them all at once. And so, I, I like this card a lot. This is this is very much on the short list of cards that are that would be immediately one of the best cards in Pioneer, but are oh, like oh yeah close to close to not good enough at all to think about playing in modern. But just like blow the doors off of Pioneer, blue white would actually be like good or playable. Uh, by people who are not just way better than all of their opponents, if uh, 
if this card was legal. It's just a lot. Yeah, speaking of my long list of cards that I wish were in Pioneer, let's go to another one. Uh, I mean, like, meaning, you know, printed in Pioneer. Uh, Flowering of the White Tree is white, white for a legendary enchantment. Legendary creatures you control get plus two, plus one, and have ward one. Not legendary creatures you control get plus one, plus one. What happened to freaking Crusade? What in the I, world? Abe, I for one, I need to take a side there said Spencer is pro the make a creature basically a Thalia white card. And I think he's throwing us off here. No, I, I think this card's really cool. I, I really, really like this card. I don't uh, even, I don't even know this card isn't playable, but... Uh, oh, I think it is. I, I, Just, I, is it good enough? Is the, like to actually like make a deck is the question, I think. But I think people will play this card. I, it's, it seems... Let me say this. Uh, if, like, like the mono-white taxes deck, or, like, the black-white taxes deck, I guess I should say, I don't see why they wouldn't want this card. Like, I can't... How do you even kill Athalia with this card in play? Or Skrelf. Yeah, it's... Oh, man. Athalia's, like, a, you know, at that point, a 4-2 first striker, too. So, it like, just attacks through the whole format. Mm-hmm. And it blocks the whole format, too. Yeah, it's Very just, like... I, I people were like, oh man, like let's wish this card was in, like you know, uh, blah 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 format. Like me, I just did that, but I I don't know this card. I hope it's good enough so that Thalia can get banned. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I I I think I I'm hopeful that like some real stuff, cool stuff comes out of this. I saw somebody tweet they're gonna mess up their whole Bard class deck to. Uh, mana base to get this card in bard class and i was like that sounds hot like that's that's sick that'd be i mean that'd be cutesy the, the white forces right like solitude and force of virtue like really fix a lot of the like hey i'm gonna stick my deck full of legendary creatures and like it fixes a lot of those awkwardness right like force of virtue is the white one from mh1 that no one plays that's just an anthem uh and then that's a flash anthem specifically and then solitude you all know um like I don't know. That seems kind of like a pretty good basis to me. If you just went like Skrelv into like two one drops that were legendary or something like that, and then put this down and like flash in a force, that's a lot of damage out of nowhere. And it's kind of hard to kill them. Like ward one on all your things makes fury really hard to like kill, especially because it's upping the toughness on these things. I don't know. I, I think it's going to be like, if this deck was a Merfolk tier playable, I would not be surprised. That's what I would say about this. I'm very hopeful for this. Yeah. I also think it's worth noting that, like, this is part of the... Something I was going to say we got to hits is that the real hit of the set is Mox Amber. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, we've talked about, you know, we've got kind of a Noble Hierarch that works with all the legendary stuff, including casting this white-white card on turn two and that making it uncounterable. Um, but just, like, the ability to... Especially in, in mono-white, to just be getting ahead on mana and then leveraging it and getting ahead on board and leveraging it so easily feels really really strong and if those numbers line up and that can be there like this can be just a mono white zoo deck that leverages kind of like you know reprieve and uh you know it's it's kind of a little bit of house of cards elements things like screlv or um any other kind of protection effects uh to just put a fast clock on the opponent and that's just really powerful this card works so well with Adelaine. 
Like <laughs> the, the oh tokens get bigger, Adeline's huge. <laughs> Your Adeline's harder to kill. Like, I don't know. I, 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 this is like what I, I plan to like stream the day the set comes out. Like I, I am very hopeful for this card and um yeah, I don't know. I think it's gonna be really cool. I, I really think there's a deck that's like more folk teal tier, like tier two point five or whatever, and like has good matchups and have weekends where it's really playable. Shining Shoal is another card, by the way, that we have seen do well in modern recently. And there's another thing that's like if you're gonna play a bunch of legendary stuff and have like the Aquinas in hand, Shining Shoal is a card you can turn to, and like you know, having multiple of these isn't suddenly as big a problem. So Mason, talk to me about Born Upon a Wind. Uh, Born Upon a Win is when a blueprint instant you may cast spells this turn as though they had flash draw a card. Um, there's another card where I'm not exactly sure what I want to do with it, but giving everything flash is really cool, and I kind of hope there's something I can do with this. And I think combo in general is just sort of at a low in modern outside of the creativity deck, which really feels like a combo control deck and not like a pure deck. And I'm really hoping this like sparks something, but I, I don't know what to do with the card. I've thought about it a decent bit. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It feels like Quicken at home to me just because two mana is so much more than one mana. But maybe I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's what I said on Discord when I first saw it, but I'm hopeful it does something. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems... It's hard. Like, having... Being in a deck where you want Quicken, but also, like, the other Quickens, you know, like, finding a way to really abuse this in all of its forms, is tough, but Quicken's also just a sweet ability. And when it's good, it's good. Yeah. So, we'll Flash Planeswalker, we'll EOT run in six, untap my turn, upkeep yeah. to fairy three. Yeah, I... It is... Oh! <gasps> I was going to say, for those who don't know what Quicken does... Quicken is this card, but only for sorceries for one. So it just costs a blue. And it's not like it's not like that card hasn't seen play in like in different formats. I think it's even been one of Zen Modern a couple of times. But it I think specifically in Blue White, it's been a one of multiple times. But I don't I don't know like what enchantment or what planeswalker or like what creature you're trying to give flash to. That this is the answer, but that doesn't mean that it can't happen. Isochron Scepter. Oh, you could out. put this on an icy. <laughs> yeah, that's step step one. I don't know what to do after now. You've now, now you've got infinite copies of it in hand. <laughs> yes, I now my deck plays Counterspell in this, and I got a little bit of a brood going. <laughs> little little We're cooking. You're cooking with. I put silence on my deck too. Damn. <laughs> Do you need two mana silence for your ice conceptor? Well, it can be one or two on ice conceptor. Oh, well, what makes this yeah. better than Quicken at that point? I don't know. Well, because you can cast. Oh, now you can put your next ice conceptor in and it's. Oh, oh, yeah. Let's I go. Let him cook. Let him cook. <laughs> him cook. <laughs> Dave Ramsey would like my stew. Listen, I'm not saying this card. I'm just saying. Every card in Magic, it's hard to think of the possibilities. So that, that was that was that on that. I feel like I'm being held <laughs> ransom by this card. Why don't we talk about the next one, Abe? Uh, this is Sauron's Ransom. Uh, it's a one blue-black instant. Uh, it says, choose an opponent. They look at the top four cards of your library and separate them into a face-down pile and a face-up pile. Put one pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. The ring tempts you. This card 
is uh you know the obvious nod to uh like kind of a factor fictiony thing i think it's like the atris oracle of truths ability but for one more card and i'm really hopeful for this card because i think that a factor fiction-esque gameplay in small doses like this especially when there's a bit of like uh like a bit more play to it than just splitting the cards and and choosing the pile that's good for you because all the piles are good for you. Like there's a little bit of a bluffing game to it. Um, you know, the opponent gets to say is really positive and also just a cheap way to go up on cards in like at instant speed is um, just pretty exciting as well. It's been like quite a while since an end of turn cast a draw spell it was like a I don't know, palatable play pattern in um, in Modern. And I think that at three mana, it has a little bit better of a chance than at kind of four, which is where the the point was on this. Uh, hey, I, I, I can I see, see on Mason's face, he's <laughs> dying to tell me that I'm swimming in hopium right now. Abe, for the listeners, I saw you look at your phone. I just messaged our group chat. You want to take a look at your phone? I'll tell the listeners what you're seeing in real time. That is a serialized loot tree that I bought because I'm all in, baby. This is going in my loot tree deck. Let's go. I'm all about it. <laughs> Let's go. I think this card's sick. I, I believe everything Abe said. What number did you get? I can't see it. Two two thirty one. I think. I don't. I don't actually remember. It wasn't a cool number. Uh, I got two fifty four. I also got Kruger Good Stack. I bought both, but. That's a different conversation. You guys are dorks. Uh, I'm going to talk <laughs> for a second. Unless you want to talk about Lutri for... You go. I'll, I'll talk about your <laughs> black Lutri in all formats, baby. I played so much in Pioneer before the RC, and look at me now. I, I do think this card is super sweet. Uh, you don't have to do a lot to convince me. What I want is a deck where I can blatantly lie to my opponent and put three cards face up. Or, like, put a combo piece face up and three cards face down and, like, just... Did you give me recall? Did you give me recall? What it could be? I don't know. That's that's my dream scenario. It just looks nice. mega fun to play with and against. Yeah, it's just a good. It's just a good old fashioned time. This is this is the, this is peak magic right here. This is this is what magic's all about. I'm just saying, you cap the copy, hold priority, flash your blue tree, and you got two parts of the ring tempting you. We can move on. And they're both tempting blue tree. You already have a picture <laughs> exactly. of this. Aim gets it, <laughs> and you get a you get a. That means you get a bad card in those however many cards you took. You're attacking that loot. You're drawn discard, baby. That's yeah. that's just value. This just I cannot like wait. Time. I'm gonna five zero a league with blue black loot tree control in modern. I cannot wait. Not if I do first. You can both you know do what, it. King? You know that. Yeah. You know that if he five zeros a league, you can also five zero a league. They're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> Let me be the Sam to your Frodo, Abe. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> Let's move What's your on. Other card? No, that's Wait, it. Have another... No, we, oh, all, we, all, we all, all had. All had. <laughs> I forgot we all had the same card. <laughs> um, let's move on to hits. I will go first. Uh, and I will talk about a card that I think is a hit, but only because it is so unique. Uh, and that is Stern Scolding. This card is one blue for an instant counter-target creature spelled with power, two toughness, or less. Power or toughness. Power or toughness. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, 
I, you know what? No other, there's literally no card like this in Magic. So. But I, I think this card is very good. It's also my hit. I mean, like, Grist, all, all of all of Yawgmoth gets hit. Grist, all of it except Endurance. All of Hammer gets hit. Solitude gets hit. Ragavan gets hit. It goes on and on and on. This card seems like a very easy on the right metagame one of and like your blue interactive deck minimum. Right now, I think the Cascade decks and the creativity uh, decks eat up a lot of the top share. But like it, people are playing Spell Snare sometimes in their Merktide deck. So like right. this just enters that realm of like super strong. I, I think this card is easily the card that's going to see some of the most play over the course of Modern's life. Just like you will always be like, is it Stern Scolding Week? You know? I have, a, I have a question. What is the the Snapcaster metagame of metagames look like with this card in Modern and Legacy? Like, do we... Oh, Mace's got thoughts. This goes in the Blue Tree deck. Great idea, Spencer. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I hadn't thought about this with Blue Tree. I just want to say, I didn't put this as a hit because both you and Mason... Oh. Were, it looked like you were thinking about putting it as a hit when I was looking at things earlier today. I think this card is a blue fatal push. I think you guys are both underselling how good this card is. Yes. I think this card is I mean, is better than a spell snare. It is better than being that one of because of the fact that it will just spell snare because spell snare. But I'm like, saying like it's better than being a week to week one of. It is better than a week to week one of. It is actually just a staple blue card from here on out. Like, so, it is so, one of the best answers to anything that has been printed. It is a one-mana unconditional answer on the stack to, like, half the format. Th that was my initial thoughts when I read it, and I cooled down a bit, but I, I would not be... That would not shock me if what you're saying is 100% true. Like, I do think this is the best card in the set. by not, Like, not close. Yeah, I, I think that, like, if you haven't ordered your, your playset or whatever, I don't know what they are going for right now, but I think they're, like, two bucks. Two dollar uncommon, baby. Yeah, I, I think that's probably, like, a good buy-in. Like, if you look historically at things like... I mean, we all saw, like, Inquisition get to, like, $13 at one point. Like, you know, I, we'll, we won't we will see this card in standard, so it's got to be, you know, reprinted in other ways, probably. So, uh, you know, pretty good pickup. I, Honestly, Inquisition might be the best point of comparison to this card, now that I think mm -hmm. about it more. It's like, it is, like like Inquisition, except reactive instead of, like, attacking your opponent's hand. Yeah. Like, it will just trade at good rate for mana uh, with a thing that you care about on your terms, and, like, when it trades up on mana, and except, except it'll do so trading up on mana often. Like, yeah. the cards that you really care about, you really, really care about. It's very good. Yeah, I, I, like, Inquisition was the first card that I thought when I saw this card, so when some people were, like, over the moon about this card, I was like, no other card does this in the color, right? So, like, that in itself is already really hype. But I don't think it ever gets to, like, better than Inquisition level of good. And Inquisition has seen a ton of play historically. So, like, mm -hmm. that's not a bad thing. It's just... Yeah. When the blue I would be yeah. surprised if this wasn't, like, a two to three of in most reactive blue decks for a while. Yeah. yeah. I, it might even... DJ Kaladin and suffer from its own success. And like we might see something happen where like this comes out, players quickly adopt it, and we see rhinos and creativity like dominate even more because they invalidate these for a while. And then it's just gonna be cyclical. Cause I, I do think this is like 
I can't undersell how like this is the strongest card in the set and very easily could be a modern horizons level. Like this card is modern horizons yeah. level power. It is like it is almost shocking that this card got out the door in this way. Uh, and apparently it was originally power and toughness two or less, but was changed to counter Luris, uh, to give you an idea of when this card was made, uh, which I think is very funny. Uh, and now, like, you know, Solitude and Grief, like, like honestly, this against Grief is so strong. It was so I hard to, like, not interact about this with versus that. Grief. That's hot as F. Yeah. I mean, th this card is just, like, my experience has been talking to people and then them trying to tell me how it's not very good against them and me lining up, like, two or three cards in their deck that's very good. And, like, against that the Scam deck, I think it's literally just Fury doesn't counter. Uh, I guess Fable is technically a creature, but, like, not really. So, like, those two are it. But everything else just yeah. dies to this card. Between this and Spell Pierce or whatever, like, like Ren and Six is a very real punish to playing a lot of copies of this card. But against so many decks in the format that are not just, like, the premier Ren and Six decks, this is probably the single most backbreaking card to play against than just, like, Fetch Land Go is so is so much stronger when on the draw or on the play it's just going to counter whatever you're doing on turn yeah the breach I, and by the way this is my also hit and we've already talked about my other hit so you know we're, we're gonna be moving through these very quickly i don't think we're gonna be here forever but like this in the breach deck like the the fair breach deck they have tried to play counter spell a bunch uh and they've tried to play spell pierces and spell snares and like gigantha has like been a problem where they kind of wanted it for various reasons but like this card, I think just slots in that deck so easily, and I think there's this perception that in modern Fury really killed all the creature decks, and that they don't exist. And they do exist. It's just humans that died. And we, like we've kind of seen this, right? If you look through five O's, there are just a ton of creature decks, and creature decks are the most popular thing. If you're a, like a blue mage, this is like a great card for you, it's and actually, it opens up the door to like whole new decks. I think. I had not thought about this against uh, Domain Zoo, which is actually kind of a tough matchup for Murktide. Uh, that is kind of insane. I, 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 I really think like just if you take a second look at decks outside of the Cascade decks in creativity, this hits a good thing in every single deck. Yeah, I That's uh, like like a real player. I'm a I'm a huge fan. I I had not thought about this in I had mostly only thought of this inside of Murktide, but like actually. The fact that it does so good against Yogmoth is a huge win for creativity decks. Because um, mm -hmm. that I matchup, like that matchup is like actually dog water oh, yeah. bad. It's like so horrible. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, my next hit, I uh, will move on, is Stone of... I, I, it feels like I should know how to say this, uh, but I actually don't. It, it's Stone of Eric. Um, that's not what it's called. It's gonna bug me. It's the, it, but it, it's it almost. I think this is important because this card costs one colorless or one generic for a legendary artifact. If a creature in an opponent control would die, exile it instead, and you can make two tap it and sacrifice it. Exile target player's graveyard draw card. Um, I I think this is like one of the better graveyard hate uh, saga targets. Uh, when when this card was was previewed, I I posted it immediately in the CCMD Discord, and I was like, "This is like one of Saga's best friends. Like this is I think it's better than Staff. I think it's better than like the, the fact that it is only your opponent stuff. The fact that target players like I, I think this card's total gas. 
Yeah, this card's like, actually like, like a total hoser against uh, against camp. Uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, that's that's what I was about to say. I, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah, I think like I know players have like been frustrated about like what am I supposed to do against scam? Like Grafter's Cage doesn't really do anything in the format. Uh, and this card like is something you can play against them. You can use it against Living End. Um, it's one mana, so the bar for it being playable is incredibly low. I I think this card is quite good. It's good against Yogmoth. I'm a big fan of the stone. So I, I think it is really, really strong. Yeah, it does a good job of being not quite rest in peace, but being rest in peace in all the right ways. Like, there are just a lot of decks where the static ability on it is effectively removing the access they need to their graveyard, and it also does just remove access to the graveyard against things like, you know, if you were to play against, like, Dredge or something, this can nuke their yard, even if it's not necessarily as strong as maybe your Grafter's Cage is at stopping what they're doing. Um, it still does enough against the rest of the graveyard, but that static ability just being able to hose Scam, being able to hose Yawgmoth, um, just shutting down... I mean, even just hosing, like, Hardened Scales, right? Like, turning off Arkbound Ravager is pretty huge. And, uh... And it, it, it rests in peace in the right ways. <laughs> yeah, I think that also the fact that I, I... that it is basically free to have in your 75 when playing uh, Saga is a big deal. Like, it means that you get to pressure these decks in a new way. Yeah. Uh, Mason, what was your other hit? Was it the white one? It, it, it was Delighted Half Point. Oh. Um, which we, we already talked about. I, 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 there was one thing I didn't say. So my, my two hits were Stern Scalding, which we just spent 10 minutes talking about. Card's great. You'd spend another 10. Delighted Half Point, we spent the first 10 minutes of the show talking about. I, I really can't undersell how I think this card is totally reasonable now. And, oh, here's my favorite game designer word. Scales with the game. Uh, that is a joke. Uh, but it does. Like, there are just more and more Legendaries coming out. This card will just get better and better, like we talked about earlier. And I, I really think, like, if you're earlier on the show, like, oh, yeah, maybe I should pick some of this up. I, I do think this card get reprinted. Uh, I do think we could totally see this card, like, in a standard environment or something. Maybe not standard, but, uh, like, we could see it get reprinted and uh, like a pioneer set. Um, and I think this card is really good and is worth picking up. It is just going to see a ton of play. So. Those are my two hits. Abe? I'm bringing us home here. Yeah. Takes the finish line. And yeah, my other hit that isn't Reprieve, which we already talking about, is Pippin, Guard of the Citadel, which is a blue, is a legendary creature for a blue and a white. Uh, that is a 2-2 with Vigilance and Ward 1, and tap another target creature you control gains protection from the card type of your choice until end of turn. I am a big believer in cards that are Mother of Runes or feel like Mother of Runes, and this is very much in line with that, while also being a creature that gets into combat and... Uh, like, I don't know, there's just been a lot of times in I don't know, the last, like, few years where creature decks need to be able to build this, like, you know, kind of house of cards out of their protection effects. Or, you know, they'll play things like, uh, what's that card? Unsettled Mariner from Modern Horizons 2. Like, just a blue-white 2-2 that kind of, like, gave everything Ward 1. 
and that was like good enough. This card is a lot better than that at protecting your other things, and also just is a lot better than that as a card, even if it doesn't play to the right tribes right now. And I don't know. I just think that this card, the ability to get protection from a card type um, of your choice, meaning that, like, you know, you can make a creature unblockable, you can, you know, save it from that, like, you know, damage base sweeper. You can just protect your whole board um, really effectively and not, like, kind of get in the bind of choosing a color and then not being able to do your other things is really potent and. I think that, yeah, on a Vigilant creature, this ability is really strong, so. I do think that we have gotten to the point where, like, we're getting, I want to use the word, like, pincer effects as far as, like, protection on a stick, like, where you're you're pushing your opponent in different ways, and there will be interesting play patterns that come up when you're deciding how to, both how to build your protection suite in your creature decks, and then how to attack that, and the, the more knowledgeable player will actually end up winning those situations a lot more, which I think is good for a game like Magic the Gathering. So um, I had not thought about this card in Modern, but I do think that a 2-2 Vigilance Ward 1 is good enough with this ability to make an impact somewhere. I mean, you talk about it with, like, the the anthem that you were you had in your uh, in your hopefuls, right? Like, this and Skrelv and some amount of soft counter magic to kind of, like, Does he get the Ward game. 1, Ward 1? Yeah, that's how it sucks. Yeah. So it, they have to pay Ward two. 1 twice. Yes. Yeah, it'd be two triggers of Ward 1. Okay. That's it. Yeah, but just being able, like, I could see playing a blue white deck where I'm a lot of white efficient creatures, some amount of blue permission. That's just soft counter magic. And then, like, right, tempoing my opponent out of the game. And this card plays a good role in that being legendary. You know, especially if you're a Mox Amber deck, being blue then to enable your spell pierces, your other uh, permission, and all the while protecting, you know, that other piece of, of the puzzle that's, you know, putting tension on your opponent like Athalia. Um, and, and I think that just all of it together makes this card something that I would I would be surprised if I didn't see in a deck list sometime by next year. You know, And, and Pippin's yeah. the second best Hobbit, so, you know, just a win there too. Speaking of, by the way, I am surprised none of us talked about Sam Wise Gamgee. It is the Gam green Gamgee. white legend Gamgee. Sorry, the green white two two. Whenever another non token creature enters the battlefield under your control, create a food. I think that's pretty good. That card. That card was on my short list also. Um, oh, was, sorry, it has another effect. Sorry, sacrifice three food, return target historic card from your graveyard to your hand. Continue. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot yeah. to do that part. Uh, that card was on my short list. Um, it seems that's another card that I like in standard would be like an all-star for me. I don't know. It's hard to have this set be a modern set because of the state of modern right now. So you like have to think outside of the scope of like what current modern is as well as like what the future could bring. Like we brought up Mox Amber, like what? 32 times today. Far so. time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I just think I think that this set is full of playable cards that need the right conditions to see play. Yeah, I, I think this card with the um, cookbook is really good. The mecha mechanized manufacturer, the one that would make a food, you make like a, a tr whenever you make a token, you make a clue and a treasure as well. 
we've seen those decks kind of do stuff. So like Abzan, that is kind of interesting to me. And that deck already has a bunch of historic uh, cards to bring back. So uh, like it plays Urza Saga, it plays Asmoranda, it plays the Manufacturer, it plays other artifacts. I, I think Samwise Game Gee is like secretly really good for those decks. I don't know if it's enough to push those decks over the line, uh, but uh, you know Harrison, who won the Spirits 5K uh, last time that a beat in the RC, beat me in a 5K this past weekend playing that deck in Modern. So like, I think this deck would have loved to have this. So I don't know. I think this card is kind of kind of nice. Well, if you want to join the conversation, you know, let us know your favorite. Let us know your pick two picks uh, in the YouTube comments, whether it be in the Patreon Discord, the public Discord, uh, or, you know, anywhere else. Uh, Twitter, at CCMTG. You can check out the rest of the network right now. That's just drafting archetypes. Uh, Sam Black show about drafting every single color combo and archetype within a format. Uh, he is actually moving to Lord of the Rings starting this week. So if you're getting ready for the Pro Tour, if you're getting ready for your RCQs, it's a great limited, uh, just not, like, just the, I know it's Ape's favorite podcast, but it is, like, literally so worth. <laughs> it's so worth. Uh, like, sub, comment, uh, review is the best way to support the show for free. If you want to support us directly, the show will always be free, but you can go to patreon.com slash ccmtg. People... If you want to find Ape Stein, where do you think you would do that, Ape? Uh, I know that they can do it over at twitter.com slash more nothings. Um, like I was saying last week, I'm not accepting anyone new for coaching for the next few weeks, um, probably the next month or so, but you can always DM me because there's something up for the time period after that, or you can just follow me to watch me tweet about magic and music. Mason? Or if you want to find me, you can find me over at twitter.com at Mason E. Clark. I am now streaming daily at uh, 7.30 a.m. Central Time over at twitch.tv slash the Mason Clark. So if you want to watch me, that's where I am. I'm doing a daily minute. It's good enough now. I can make it work enough for MTGO. Uh, and that. And then if you want to reach out for coaching, you can over at Twitter or my email, MasonEClark at gmail.com. Make sure to put coaching in the description. Uh, one of you somehow slipped through the crack on that, but I try to respond to those as quickly as possible. I check it every night. So... That's that on that. Uh, oh, and Card Kingdom, I read an article every week. I'm a I'm a lurker in the Mason stream right now. It's like during it's a uh, it's 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 too early for me. You catch the the end, the the beginning of my like morning bath routine, Mason. So and I'm just like in my bathtub with my cell phone watching Mason stream. Uh, yeah, it's modern. I just stream modern, by the way. I. They're gonna drag me kicking and streaming back to Pioneer when November comes around, but until then, modern, modern. <laughs> you can find me at Zone Thirteen H on Twitter. You can find me every week on the Nietzsche Nerd Podcast. This last week, it will probably be up before we do this one. We did value in gaming. We talked about all the subscription services across Nintendo, PlayStation, and Xbox. Uh, as well as accessory value that you can get from uh, different accessories, controllers. Uh, like on my desk, if you're watching the video, I talk about cloud gaming and like the type of things that you can do to get the most out of cloud gaming. It's a, It was a really fun podcast. Uh, and then every month we just released our last episode about things we learned at Crown 3 uh, for Smash Through, a podcast about always improving at Smash. Um, and then, uh, you know, I have some stuff lined up for potential jobs, but... 
depending on how that looks. Uh, hoping to get back into weekly YouTube content here on the Constructed Criticism YouTube channel. So uh, that'll do it for this week. Abe, hey, what'd you learn this week? I don't know Mason has beaten me to the punch on Lutri, despite me playing so much more Lutri than him before the RC. Oh, yeah. Well, Abe, you know how it goes. I just play way less magic than the average gamer. And so... So do walking, I. Yeah, but I play less than you. <laughs> and then I saw you with the Lutri, and it got me going. Also, the deal is too good. So I, I picked it up today. It and Karuga, two, two sweet deals. Won a little Karuga bid. Mason, what'd you learn this week? Um, I learned that I maybe wasn't as crazy as I thought for my stern scolding, and I should have talked myself down. But I, I should have stood strong. And Abe standing strong for me was like All Might standing up, maybe want to go plus <laughs> ultra. And so I, I loved it. That that was mine. I think stern scolding's uh, like honestly a little worried. Honestly, a blue little fatal worried. push. Blue fatal push. <laughs> yeah, cards not weak. Is definitely no. not weak. No. And when I when I watch videos where people talk about the card and they say it's like minor misstep, it makes me want to oh. minor misstep off the like. Uh, no, they don't. Nobody says that. Yes, they do. It's like I've seen always multiple. a positive man exchange, Mason. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, it's so uh, good. really good. My, what you spent so much you learn. My biggest learning is like I might have been too low on the athlete. Uh. Like, I read that card, and I was like, this card might legitimately change, like, creature decks in Modern. Like, in, like, a real meaningful way. But I didn't want to bring hyperbole into the podcast, but I actually do believe that. <laughs> like, I actually think that card's, like, nutso. And I read it, and I was like, why is nobody talking about this card? Wow. So what I'm hearing is, A was my All Might, so I was your Deku. He inspired me, and then the delight has to bring back around. Yeah, I, like, legitimately, I think about that card, and I'm like, why does it not get to be countered? Also, like, the whole reason <laughs> that, like, a, a huge reason that the, like, Thought Not Seer mid-range decks, like, fell off is because, honestly, like, the the Mandorks just weren't good enough. Like, <laughs> they just weren't. And this card, like, legitimately... Might fix that problem. Legendary spell is just such a two words together. Well, like, you can play yeah. Teferi in your Bant. Uh, like, my thought was I could play Teferi in my Bant uh, Eldrazi deck. And then I'm just, like, mm -hmm. flickering stupid Thanasiers with my un like my uncounterable. Mm -hmm. That seems crazy. Also, I, 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 one mana. The card is one mana. Like no one's talking about it. How have I listened to multiple magic podcasts in the last week? This card's been spoiled for like what? It's spoiled on it was like one of the first spoiled. No one has talked yeah. about it. Yeah. Oh actually, yeah, this was both one of the first because it was during the Yeah, it was the, like because it yeah, has it, the alternate art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, no one is talking about this card. And I'm I, like, I this card doesn't die to run in six. It, it it produces colored mana for like the best spells in your deck. I don't know. Your green white legends tax deck so this is how we get you to be a thousand. It's so good. <laughs> Bam. It does it that deck would beat any deck that I would typically play. <laughs> oh yeah. Well thank you everybody so much for listening. Let us know in the comments what you think over on the YouTube channel. 
Uh, and we'll see you guys on next week with another episode of Constructed Criticism. <laughs>